Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. Here, you'll learn about how to grow your building, remodeling, or contracting business. If you're not growing, you're dying. So we want you to always be in growth mode. Remember, to get notified about new episodes, hit the subscribe button on your podcast player. That way, you won't miss any of our expert guests that we bring on the show. In addition, as a special thank you for being a listener of the podcast, we've got some special bonuses for you. Just go to builderfunnel.com slash podcast. Again, hit that subscribe button to stay in the loop and go to builderfunnel.com slash podcast for your special bonuses. Hey guys, welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. I'm your host, Spencer Powell. And on this episode number 32, I host Michael Stone of Markup and Profit. And in this episode, we dive into profit and we talk a lot about markup. We talk about job costing. We get a little bit into sales as well. And I think you'll really get some good actionable tips out of this episode. Again, stay tuned for 32 with Michael Stone. Hey, Michael, glad to have you on the show today. Hi, Spencer. Thank you for inviting us. We really appreciate it. I hope we can help you. Yeah, I'm excited. And, uh, you know, before we, we jump into the world of, of estimating today, uh, I'd love for you to kind of share a little bit of your backstory and, you know, how'd you get into the world of construction? Uh, it was kind of a, a, a forced entry thing. My father had a large construction company in southwestern North Dakota, and this was back in the mid-50s. And at that time when you were uh, if you were a young male and you were in grade school or high school and your father had a business you worked for him period in the conversation <laughs> so yeah I, I got involved with him and you know I started out sweeping floors and fussing around uh, cleaning the shop and cleaning trucks out and it was a large electrical and and um, HVAC company and so I started doing all the cleaning and then it, you know I started going out on service calls and other stuff with guys and just to gradually progress from there to from electrical to plumbing work to concrete and siding and roofing and windows and everything else building houses you name it so it's just been kind of a i've been at this 58 years now so it's just been a progression from one step to another i keep yeah. i keep looking for that next step of retirement but <laughs> i don't think it's going to be anytime soon yeah it's having too much fun Oh, I love what I do. I, you yeah. know, you, you see the you see the um, families we help, uh, and, and that's what Devin and I have built our business on is is helping contractors take care of their families. I mean, that's our that's our focus. And it, it, when you when you get a nice note from a um, a guy or a gal, either one, and you know, saying thanks for all the help, and we're doing much better. I mean. How, doesn't get any better now, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, and and it's actually a pretty good segue into our topic today, which is you know estimating and and profit. I mean, a big part of making a profit and making sure you're running your business so that you are is on the front end when you actually you know quote and estimate the job. So um, curious to kind of dive into that with you today, and how do you, in general, how do you approach estimating? Well, I've taught estimating in 45 different states, so I'm, I'm just a rough guess, roughly 30,000 <laughs> contractors over the years, and and most of them are, are, you know, I love the guys, but, you know, they don't organize their, their thinking process to do estimates. And estimates should be uh, you develop a system, and then you use that system the same way every single time. You never deviate from it. And I found over the years that the guys that do have a good system and stick to it like glue are the ones that have the lowest error factor. And to me, that's when I look at an estimate, I, the first thing I look at is 
you know, all right, this is the estimated amount. This is the actual amount of cost to build the job. What's the error factor? That tells me how good the estimator is. And no, oh, yeah, that's in there. I mean, it's that, that, that number, um, uh, that's what's important, okay? Take your, your estimated amount, subtract from your actual amount, subtract your estimated amount, and the difference uh, divided by the estimated amount is your error factor. That's, that's basically what the math formula is. Gotcha. And so do you look for certain error factors or when do you know, you know, you're, you're in a good spot and when do you know you're in a bad spot? Oh yeah. It's real easy to tell. If the error factor is under 2%, the guy knows guy or lady is the case may be know what they're doing. They're organized. Uh, they're doing things the way they should and they will seldom have any problems. Now there may be problems on the production and other things, but on the estimating things, our numbers are right. And it starts creeping up over 2%. And unfortunately that applies to, most contractors, the error factor gets in the, you know, most of them are lucky if they can get within 5% and, and a good many of them are, are error factors of 8 and 10% or even higher, which is, uh, wow. to me is uh, you're not estimating and you're guessing. So, right. Yeah. So it's not being mean or nasty. That's, that's just the reality of it. Yeah. That's the raw numbers, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you can look at an estimate sheet and tell right now whether the estimator knows what they're doing. You look at the numbers. When you start seeing zeros at the end of things, you know they're guessing. Yeah. So if you see an error factor that's north of 10 or, you know, pretty high, you know, how do you start to course correct, you know, with, you know, moving forward? Oh, well, if, if, if I'm being hired to help the individual, then we sit down and say, right now, let's see you do an estimate. And, you know, I start making notes and usually I can go about five minutes before I go crazy. And little things like <clears throat> first thing you got to do, you turn your phone off. I don't mean I'm buzz. I don't mean, you know, have somebody else answer the phone. I mean, you turn the darn phone off. Yeah, that's, that's a distraction. You don't need that. Uh, that's especially the mobile phones, mm -hmm. uh, followed by uh, the landline. That should be turned off. Uh, you're going to sit down and do an estimate. You make sure you don't have to go potty, and you make sure you've eaten your lunch or breakfast or whatever it is <laughs> so you're not hungry. Uh, you sit down. Um, you should have uh, a good set of pictures from the job that you're looked at to do the estimate on. They should be loaded on your uh, uh, computer monitor. And so when you sit down to do your estimate and you pull up your estimating program, you should be able to flip back and forth between um, the pictures of the job and uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, estimating program you're using. And this idea, oh, I can remember what you did. Uh-uh, you don't remember. The human mind is not capable of remembering all the details on a job they've seen once, maybe twice. Um, and you see, that's what I mean about doing the same thing, same way every time take a good set of pictures, you get them up on, and like when I'm doing estimating, I have two monitors in front of me, and the one right in front of me has my estimate sheet, and the one off to the right has the pictures, and I just go back and forth and scroll up or down through the pictures, uh, so I don't miss anything. And, and that'll go a long way, uh, and the other one um, is our, our cardinal rule, I believe it's number six, and that is to get a written quote on anything over $300. Uh, on the estimate sheet, and that's from subcontractors or suppliers. Uh, another uh, unwritten rule is that when you figure labor or in-house stuff, if you will, um, then uh, you, it's checked by a second person. And that isn't maybe or sometimes, that's every time. And you do that, uh, you'll see your error factor, and, and that and using an estimating software program, you'll pull your estimating uh, error factor down into the 2% range real quick. Um, we have a number of coaching clients that have error factors less than 1%, and that's consistent over a year's term, so we know it works.
That's great. Yeah. And I like how you, you know, you can see the process that you're breaking down and even just getting down to the basics of turning the distractions off and those sorts of things. When you're dealing with these kinds of numbers, I mean, you can make a simple mistake or an easy mistake, but it can turn into a huge number, you know, at the end of the, the end of the day. Um, it just, it, it, I, I know of a case uh, in particular, a friend of mine, uh, he was called uh, back to the mid Midwest someplace around Illinois somewhere and uh, or Indiana and this guy was losing money on every job he estimated and so my friend went back and sat down and watched him do an estimate it took him like five and a half hours to do the estimate and so my friend then sat down and he did the estimate it took him an hour and a half and it was over a seven thousand dollar job cost difference and the reason was the other guy that he was trying to help was constantly picking up his phone trying to talk and <laughs> dealing with office people and everything else instead of staying focused on what he was doing and so you know, when you got a room addition of sixty or seventy thousand bucks, and you got a seven thousand dollar error on it, that's over ten percent right there. And it was all caused in this particular case. It was caused because the guy was constantly picking up his phone. This is why I say you don't put the phone on buzz. You turn the phones off. Yeah. You do that, wow. you're good to go. Yeah, you'll be in good shape. Yeah. Yeah. So, exactly right. <clears throat> um, so let's talk about markup. You know, because I think you know that's another big piece of making sure we have good profitability. I mean. How do you go about figuring out what the markup should be? You know, I think we hear a lot of industry standards and different approaches, but you know, what's your approach to that and figuring out for each company how they should decide on that? Well, the, the only industry standard for markup is, is uh, sales price divided by job costs equals the markup that you're using. All right now, that isn't necessarily how you, you calculate it. Um, it's calculated by taking, um, you to get to your markup, you take your, I, mean, I got to stop and think through this, bear with me here. You take your sales price, subtract your overhead profit, which gives you your job cost. And so then it's just a simple matter of division. Uh, I think the, the thing that where a lot of people miss is they think markup is a percentage and it's not. A markup is simply a number that you use to multiply times your job cost to get to the sales price you need. That number must cover your overhead expenses and your profit. Okay. Now, I guys don't, you know, they get start busting and worrying about, well, that number's too big, it's too much, it's too, we're not competitive. And those are, you, you've got to put that crap out of your head because that's what it is. Uh, you, you have an option of being competitive in this business. You do not have an option of being profitable. You're either profitable or you're gone. And so, you know, I tell guys, quit fussing and worry if the number's 1.5, if it's 1.9, if it's 3.6, who cares? If that's what it takes to cover your overhead and profit on top of your job cost, so you have a sales price that you can sell, build a job, pay your overhead, and have a decent 8% net profit, then use it. Quit worrying about what it, this, this, this number in your head. Just forget that stuff. That's got nothing to do with it. The only thing that counts is do you have enough money in the job? to cover your job costs, your overhead, and, and make a profit besides. If you don't make a profit, you're gone. I mean, that's, yeah. that's sixth grade math. Can't, can't last forever like that, yeah. Yeah, that's a long-winded answer, but essentially, if, you're, if you've got a good profit and loss statement, you can take your total sales, divide it by your cost of goods sold, and that will give you your markup, which is everything below the line. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, and you're looking at your current overhead, and you're looking at, I mean, you can essentially decide your profitability. Hey, this is where I'm trying to be as an 8%, 10, or, you know, you mentioned eight. Uh, and then it just becomes a math equation. So yeah. I guess, what do you say to those people that <clears throat> maybe they're, do, they're doing the math and they're saying, okay, this is what it's saying. I need to be, you know, 
selling at the, the selling price and they're saying, Hey, it's way, it's way too high. Uh, is that just all head trash or do, do you sometimes need to dig into overhead and maybe that's a little bit bloated or, you know, what do you think there? No, I, you, you hit it right on the head. It's head trash <laughs> or garbage. If you want, <laughs> it's got nothing to do with it. it. Whatever the number is, that's what you got to use. You know, yeah. there's all kinds of contractors that want to argue with that. And there's all kinds of contractors that go broke every year. I mean, they, that's not a coincidence. Okay. This stuff is, this is not rocket science. It's plain, basic sixth grade mathematics. You either charge enough for your work or you're going to go broke. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And I, I think we, you know, you get stuck in, I mean, I called it head trash where you can call it a lot of different things, but I think, in our minds, everyone's different, but they think a certain number is a certain way. It feels high, it feels low, it feels just right. And you know, at the end of the day, if, if you're pricing it at a certain price and it's turning people away, then th those maybe aren't your ideal clients. Is that what you think or? or the yeah, that's part of it. But if you're giving prices and it's turning people away, you're right. It's probably not your clients. The other side of it is maybe you need to go clean up your sales presentation because in, in many cases, the best salesperson will get the top dollar for that job and they can be anywhere from 10 to 30 or 40% more than anybody else. Um, the, you know, when I was still in sales full time, it was not uncommon for me to get 10 to 20% more for the same job than, than all the competitors that were quoting it. Um, but I worked really hard at making a good presentation, um, asking, you know, tons of questions up front. Uh, you know, but it, it, the other thing is, this is a little bit on the sales issue, is that most contractors are so busy talking and giving all this advice and, and free design and all this other stuff, and that's not what you should be doing on a sales call. The sales calls where you go out and ask questions, zip this and listen to the answers. They will tell you everything you need to know to get them from where you are now to a design contract to a, um, a final contract for whatever job it is they want to do. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And and that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, because I see on a lot of uh, guys' websites, you know, click here for a free estimate, call for a free estimate. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the free estimate? Free only attracts people who are looking for something for nothing. You know, and that's it. There's a nice way to say it. And you shouldn't have free anywhere in your website, shouldn't be on your truck, shouldn't be on your, yeah, any of your printed material. You don't need free. What you need is a good presentation. And if you do that, you don't have to use the word free. Because see, free, essentially, you're an order taker hoping that, you know, this free stuff will get you more work. Well, if, you know, if you have to get a job from somebody that likes the word free, eh, you know, tell me their, their, their whole focus isn't on price, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a great point. I mean, free attracts that kind of bottom of the barrel, you know, people looking for deals and discounts and That's right way through. And yeah, I would imagine most people aren't in this business to be the lowest cost. <laughs> well, no, it, it, it's really interesting that the, the really good customers out there, they know and understand that they're going to have to pay a fair price to get the work done. That's how they got their money because they understand the business cycle. And, and the people that want cheap prices, low prices, you got to cut your price, your price is too high. You know, those people don't understand this business. I mean, in construction is a is a cost-based business. You can only, each job must stand on its own. Virtually all other businesses except one are 
market-based businesses, which you can lower your price on one site, but then that, that allows you to sell more of everything you have, and of course you make a little higher profit. But construction, you can't do that. You, construction, the jobs has to stand on their own. And so when guys start cutting their prices, uh, you know, they think they're in a market-based business and they're not. Hey there, I hope you're enjoying today's episode. Just a quick reminder that this show is brought to you by Builder Funnel. We're a digital marketing agency specialized in helping home builders, remodelers, and contractors like yourself grow their businesses. We help you implement marketing and sales technology, such as marketing automation and a CRM system, as well as drive more traffic, leads, and sales through strategies like content marketing, SEO, social media, paid traffic, and email marketing. If you want to learn more and see if we're a good fit, just send a quick email to hello at builderfunnel.com and mention the podcast. I'll schedule a one-on-one -on -one website and digital marketing assessment with you where I'll take a look at your website, show you some areas where you can improve, and we can see if we're a good fit. If you haven't noticed already, our company is huge on education. We host this podcast, create tons of videos, and create helpful blog posts to educate you guys on marketing and sales. I'll pack a ton of value into the website assessment, and I'll never pressure you to buy from us, although we're confident you'll improve your marketing and sales efforts by doing so. Again, send me a quick note to hello at builderfunnel.com. Enjoy the rest of the episode. I'm glad you mentioned that. I think that's a really important point that probably a lot of people miss. And yeah, if, as long as each job stands on, on its own, then you know the rest of it is just math and it's going to work out and your, your bottom's going to look, look like what you want it. Yeah. Yeah, you won't be quite so quick to cut your markup either if you know that job has to stand on its own and you ain't going to make it up on the next one because there might not be a next one. Right. No. Yeah. Yeah. And typically if you're cutting it, you're not willing to double it on the next one because that was, oh, no, that's, that's, <laughs> that's wishful thinking on the part of most of them. They, you know, they cut the price on this and they'll cut it even more in the next one. First thing you know, they're out of business. I mean, you know, we see that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about price negotiation. Cause it sounds like, I mean, we talked about not doing free estimates, but I'm sure, you know, you, you run into those customers. They love to negotiate. They love to get the deal, you know, how do you recommend people handle that, you know, when you come in and say, hey, this is what it's going to cost? Well, again, now this goes back to, you know, you have, this isn't something you can just tell them one time and expect that have it hit. You have to use this in your sales presentation. And that's normally in the first 30 minutes. I mean, you have to emphasize to them that the sales price of their job is going to be directly re related to the design they want and the, and the selections they make of the materials and other things that go into the job or the design that they've come up with. So their selection of the design or their selection list and their design of the job is what determines the price of the job, not me. So when I'm done and they say, well, we want to negotiate price. And I say, what would you, do you want a price? Do you want to, do you want to negotiate price? Okay, fine. We're willing to do that. Do you want to go up or down? Do you want to go down? Okay. What do you want to take out of the job? Now you want to negotiate? Let's negotiate. What do you want to take out of your job to get the price down where you think it's right? Now, if you want the price to go up, what do you ask me? Do you want me for, for some more stuff? You tell me. Okay. I, like I used to have a, I can't remember just exactly how I did it, but when people start saying, boy, I think your price is a little high and say, let me check my price. Oh, you're right. My price isn't too high. It's too low. I, I made a mistake. We're going to add about 500 bucks to this job. And I'm just ornery enough when I was out selling, I'd do that. And it was amazing how fast that, that negotiating stuff went away. Yeah. I probably lost some jobs because of it, but you know, I didn't care. I don't want that kind of business. 
you know, because they're, they, if they're nickel diamond you up front, they're going to, you know, diamond quarter you all the way through the job. And it's just not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, there. This isn't, this isn't <laughs> you know, this, I, this isn't dyed this color. This, this came from a lot of sales calls. That wasn't left over from Halloween. So. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh boy. Yeah. I like it's it. a long road, but it's been fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like that, you know, cause you have to be able to stand behind your price and say, Hey, this right. is what it is. If you want to work with us, you know, this is the quality work we're going to do. This is, this is what it is. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Uh, in our, you know, we do a, we do our two day class and we got one next week in Ontario, California. And, and you know, we talk about stuff and guys start talking about, oh, but you know, they're my relatives or my friends. And I have one saying that I use personally every class. You want a friend? Go buy a dog. <laughs> You're in business to provide a service and make a profit doing it. Stick with that. Forget yeah. this friend stuff. And, you know, the guys that listen to that, you know, all of a sudden it changes their whole attitude about how they're dealing with customers. Yeah. Well, I think along that sentiment, you know, profit is, is such an important part. It's a critical part of, of business. I would imagine, though, you bump into a lot of guys that's, that give excuses like this and, you know, so I guess what are kind of the top complaints that you hear when somebody wants to cut a deal for a friend or whoever? What are some other things that people say and, and then how do you respond to that? In regard to the price? In, in regard to making a profit, because I think sometimes, you know, people get into it for the, the work, the craft, whatever it is, and then you build it and, and it's your business and they start figuring that out, that it's not just a hobby or for fun. And but sometimes people have a negative connotation with profit and, you know, that that's greedy or bad, you know, so I'm kind of curious to hear oh, what kind of. Are you referring to all the stuff that the kids in school are being taught now by these so-called knowledgeable teachers? <laughs> yes, yeah, right. I am. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, <laughs> and I don't want to bash the teachers because they do, for most part, they do a good job. But they're, you know, the, 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 the idea, and this has been perpetrated uh, literally across the country, uh, that profits are bad. Well, you take the profit away from these companies, there's going to be a whole bunch of businesses failing. I mean, you either make a profit or you're gone. I mean, that's the bottom line. And, uh, you know, when uh, when people start wanting to argue about profit, well, I think your price is too high, stuff like that. Most of those things can be cured with a proper sales presentation. Um, I wrote a book called Profitable Sales, a Contractor's Guide. And then there I talk about asking, there's four basic questions you ask, and that is, you know, what do you want to do? When do you want to do it? Who's going to make the buying decision? And what's their criteria for picking their contractor and the, the budget for your job? Now, when you go through those four questions and you get the answers, especially number two, which is when do you want to start? And number four, which is what is your budget for your job? You get the answers to those questions. You're well on your way to getting a contract because you're eliminating all those objections and those uncertainties and uh, you're building trust with your customer, if you will. And if you make your presentation correctly, you, you, when you get to the point where you say, all right, now, uh, all right, you want to be, you know, you got this kitchen remodel, you want to do it, or you, you realize you're going to be somewhere in, let's just say, you know, 75 to 80,000 range. Does, does that suit your family budget? And they say, well, yeah, that's about what we thought. Good. Let me tell you how we work from here. And you reach in your briefcase, pull out your design agreement, and get to work on that. Now you've taken step by step right through it. And the design agreement is a small yes to get to the big yes, which is the contract for the job. But everybody wants to get in a hurry and start throwing numbers around and everything else. Just take a breath, slow down. Take it one step at a time. And if you can get a whole bunch of little yeses, and that's what Big Zig Ziglar used to teach all the time. 
get a whole bunch of little yeses. So when it comes time for the big yes, it's very easy to get it from them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are making that shift to the design agreement. I'm, I'm curious what, um, you know, what do you say when you ask that customer and they, they say, you know, what's your budget? And they say, well, I just don't know what this stuff costs, you know, so that's why I'm coming to you. Just say, I don't know what it costs either, but that's not what I ask. What I ask was, what is your budget? Share with me what you would like to invest in your project right here. Okay. Cause I don't know what's going to cost. You don't know what's got, nobody knows what it's going to cost. Cause we don't know what's inside your head yet, what your design is. So let's get, let's get this cost stuff out of the way here and let's talk about setting your budget because that's what we designed the job to. Remember I said earlier, we're going to talk about uh, your, uh, uh, the, we're going to talk about your design. We're going to talk about the, the materials and stuff you want to put into this job and that's what's going to determine the sales price, right? So let's, what I'm asking you to do, let's turn that around. Let's start with the sales price and let's work it backwards so we know what we can include in your design and what materials that we can fit into that design so that you get what you want. Why waste all this time with drawing plans and doing estimates and oh, it's price is too high and we got to draw more plans and more estimates. That's a waste of time, okay? I mean, I, I don't know of any good contractor that follows that approach anymore. That's all, you know, we're going to set the budget and we're designed to the budget and we're going to move ahead with the project. And, and, the, and the people, especially the home and building owners and even architects, if you will, they're, if they're smart, they pull in the contractor right up front. They all work to one thing, getting the design and the selections made and, they, and the design fits the customer, customer's budget. And by doing that, the job gets done for less money because a contractor doesn't have to invest all this extra time. Home and building owners are getting charged for it. They don't even realize it. When a contractor has to do a three or four estimates, somebody's got to pay for that. Okay. So, yeah. you know, the, 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 the better the approach that the, that the contractor uses, you know, the less expensive the, the job will be, but, but, you know, you can't expect the homeowner to know this stuff. You've got to, you got to study and you got to learn a good process of asking questions and what questions to ask and how they relate to each other and how, you know, you got to recognize the customer's personality and what's important to them and just kind of blend all this stuff together. Good salespeople do that and they make good money. Yeah. Yeah. Companies. Uh, yeah. I love how you flip that around, you know, and it's, there's always objections and there's different ways to just, you know, walk them through the process and, yeah. and reposition the conversation yeah. so that you can get to where you want to go. Yeah, you, yeah. you get, you, you get, you know, how can I get them to <laughs> yep. dotted line? Line on the line, yeah. You better believe it. That's it. Cool. And, and and that's not being dishonest or a subterfuge or anything else. That's just doing a darn good job of, of, of helping the customer get their wants and needs met. That's what good salesmanship is. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And, and I, shifting gears a little bit, I want to talk about um, contractors and getting paid. Uh, I think a lot of people maybe, you know, they don't keep people on a payment schedule and then they get behind and suddenly it creates some cash flow problems. And do you, do you see that come up a lot? And, and how do you recommend, you know, diagnosing that that's happening and then course correcting? Okay. I, and I'll just, I'll just kind of ad lib this because it all ties together. First thing is that, that most contractors and bless their hearts, I love every one of them. They haven't taken the time to study and find out what a good payment schedule is. It is not one third down, one third, one third, or half, fourth, and fourth, or any of the rest of that nonsense because <laughs> those payment schedules have the contractor paying for the job out of his own pocket. 
the ideal payment schedule, regardless of what state you're in, and even this applies to California because it works down there if it's used right. And that is a down payment, and then a, um, a down payment, and then a, a progress payment on the first Friday of the job, and then a payment every other Friday after that. And please, let's not hear anything from these guys doing commercial work or the great big housing or they're going through the bank or any of that. You can't get that. Yes, you can. If, if you if you set the process up correctly, you can get paid every other week. I've got contractors across the nation as coaching clients that know how to do it, and it works very well. Now, you, you set up your payment schedule, which is a down payment. Now, say in California, where you're limited to either $1,000 or 10% of the sales price, whichever is the least, then you get a material purchase fee up front. Okay, and you can get a job initialization fee. Now you got three checks before the job starts right there. So, I mean, there's always a way, there's always a workaround and there's nothing illegal about it, right? But you, you get your, your down payment, your first payment on, a, on the first Friday of the job, and then your succeeding checks after that every other Friday should be uh, an even amount. In other words, your, your, say, as an example, you have a contract for 55000 $993. Well, your your down payment should be some amount with $993 on it. So if you have eight more payments after that, you break that up into eight equal payments. So the customer always knows from, from, from one step to the next exactly how much it was because it's the same as it was two weeks ago. Okay. Now you get down to the last two payments. Okay. I'm sorry, down, down to the, yeah, the last two payments. The last two payments equal any one of the ones above that because your final payment should never be more than 2% of the sales price of the job. So you take, say you, one of your progress payments is $8,500. Your last payment was, uh, I don't know, 55,000. So it was two and five is a thousand dollars. Your last payment is 55. So your second to last payment is 4,500. Your last payment's a thousand bucks, total of 5,500, which matches all the other progress payments up above it. If you follow that, what you're gonna find is you, you take away this, this idea that the customer has this big club to beat you over the head to get a whole bunch of stuff at the end of the job. Um, you know, that, that because they owe you this big amount of money, you're afraid to argue with them and they don't pay you. You take that, you take that, that all out of the equation there. Um, it, it's just, uh, it's not that hard to do. And, and if your final payment is 2% and the customer gives you any crap about it, then you just say, hey, just keep your final payment. We're done. We're out of here. And by the way, there's no guarantee on this job. Okay, so if, you, if you've estimated your job right, you've covered your overhead with your markup, and, and, and you, you're, you're making it 8% profit as you should, your last 2% is only two of the 8%, so you, now you walk out of there with a 6% net profit, that's more than most guys make on their jobs. <laughs> so you're good to go, see, so you can't lose on it. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's all in a matter of knowing how to set this thing up and make it work, and I know you, you'll probably get calls from guys saying, oh, you can't do that bank a lot. You don't let the bank allow it, okay? You want to remember, your contract is with the home or building owner, not with the bank. Okay? I love it, yeah. You don't let the banks tell you how to, to charge for your job. You just, you work it out with the home or building owner. This is how we're going to be paid. Now, you take it to the bank and figure it out from there. I don't care, okay? Now, I like it. Yeah, and, and you get guys say, well, they won't lend me any money. Give it to the homeowner. Why should you work out of your pocket? That's what they're telling you. I mean, right. <laughs> these lenders, I mean, if you, uh, left to their own devices, they'll have the contractor financing 100% of the job and, and uh, you know, waiting six months to pay them after the job is done to make sure this bank still doesn't have any liability. I mean, we see it all the time. So, you know, 
you just say, this is our payment schedule, this is what we expect, and let the homeowner go fight the battle with the bank because the home or building owner is, is king to the banker where the contractor is kind of a little bit less than way down the scale <laughs> as far as <laughs> what, what they think. Yeah, yeah. But you've got to take control of those things. You can't just say, well, the industry standard. There is no industry standard in construction for virtually I can't think of an industry standard in construction other than a two by four, and it's not two by four, not anymore. It's an inch and five eighths by three and five eighths or some, and and that even is starting to vary a little bit now. I've noticed measuring some stuff. So, yeah, yeah, I, I like it. You've got to, you know, you've got to set those processes up and and execute yeah. on them and stand by them, you know, because that's that puts you in a good financial spot. And and as you were going through that, you mentioned this. You've mentioned a couple of times the eight percent profit. I'm. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious where that number came from. Why not six or 10 or 12, you know? Um, yeah. Um, over the years, we, we've been coaching now since, um, well, let's just say roughly 2000. Okay. So we've been out about 18 years and I have found over the years that our coaching clients that maintain 8% net profit seem to have very few of any financial problems. And so that's where it came from. It's a real simple formula. That's awesome. Uh, if it's working just about, without exception across the board for the contractors and not just locally. We have, we have clients in 40 countries around the world for, for our stuff. And, you know, we don't get a lot of feedback from, from foreign countries, but we get enough that, that I can tell that uh, they have the same problems we do here in the U S and Canada. And, uh, you know, the, 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 um, uh, those that have the 8% net profit seem to be doing pretty well. So that's what I tell that sh that should be your minimum. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And just out of curiosity, what's the highest profit you've seen that somebody can actually sustain over, you know, multiple years and, and they're still not causing other problems elsewhere, like trying to run too lean. Oh, well, short of, you know, a, a downturn like we had in December 2008 and January 2009, which was the last bottom of the last downturn. Uh, generally, um, it's not uncommon for us to see uh, contractors in the 12 to 14, 15% net profit range. I've seen a number of them that, that have, they have exceptional years where they'll make 30% net profit. Not happen a lot, but it does happen. 20% uh, is, is reasonably common, uh, but you know, in the, the 10 to 12% is probably where most of the good contractors fall. Uh, if, you're, if you're much under 8%, then you got some work to do. And yeah. the sooner the better, okay? Yeah, yeah. cool. Um, well, hey, Michael, I have one last question for you, but uh, before I get to that, you know, how can our listeners get in touch with you, you know, find you online? What's the best way to connect with you? Okay, website, uh, markupandprofit.com. Okay, all one word. Um, my email is michael at markupandprofit.com. Um, phone number is 360-335-1100. Um, nothing else. Just type in markup and prof on a, on a website and we'll pop up. I mean, we always end up in the top 15 or 20 spots, <laughs> but it, that is not that we're, we're so much better than anybody else. It's just that nobody else has that kind of label or tag. So we're, we will fill in, you know, we fill in the last letter. Okay. Um, you had one more question I, I, that I, or not you had one, but we had one more thing that we talked about and, and, uh, what is my feeling on free estimates? And, you know, I don't believe in, in, um, you don't never, well, we did talk about free. I don't believe in, in giving out free estimates, but if you follow the design agreement process, 
where you go out, ask your questions, get the answers, tell the folks we're going to design to your budget. You set up the design agreement where you do the design work, you do the estimate, you write the contract, and you bring it back and lay it in front of them for their review. Now you're getting paid to do all that. So that's kind of how I answer that question. You should be paid for that. That's yeah. reasonable. You know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and, and that's awesome. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, my final question for today is, just if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would you say to them? Want a friend? Go buy a dog. You got to remember, you're, you're in business to provide a service and make a profit doing it. You know, you're not in business to be a mechanic. You're not in business to show everybody how much you can build and how fast you can build it. Um, you know, you're not in business to buy a new fancy truck every year. You're not in business to employ your friends or relatives. You're in business to provide a service and make a profit doing it and stay focused on that and, and set everything else aside. Um, if you do that, you'll be able to take care of your families. That's yeah. the bottom line. Okay. The families, your kids, um, you know, it, it's, I don't know. I, I, can't remember the last time I met an individual, a male, that didn't want to take care of his wife and kids. And I, mean, I know they're out there, but, but I, I can't remember the last time I ran across somebody like that. So if you follow some basic principles, you will be able to take care of your family. You know, buy your kids the toys and education they want and the clothes they want and the food they want. And your wife has nice clothes or her husband has nice clothes and you drive a decent car. It doesn't have to be a new car. It just, you know, but it, yeah, you provide a service make a profit doing it, you'll be okay. Well said, well said. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. This was awesome. Yeah, anytime, glad to do it. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed episode number 32 with Michael Stone. I know you're driving around or maybe you're at the gym, you're listening to this on the go. And so I like to boil it down into action items. So let's look at two action items that I saw come out of today's episode, although there was a lot of great stuff. So number one, let's look at what your margin of error is on your estimating. So Michael talked about that at the beginning of the episode as kind of a target of 2%, but go back and look at a few past jobs and see what that actually was. So that's step one. Step two is go ahead and use Michael's process of tuning out distractions, you know, shut the door, turn off your phone, all your notifications, and really put your head into that next estimate. Then rerun the numbers and see what your margin of error is and I bet it's gonna be significantly improved. So I think if you take those two steps, you'll get a ton of value out of this episode. And guys, if you are getting some value out of Builder Funnel Radio, either this episode or some previous episodes, we'd really appreciate a review on iTunes. It helps us reach more construction professionals and get the word out. So again, head on over to iTunes, or maybe you're just in your, your app right now. Click us a review, we really appreciate it. And we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio. Thanks for joining us today on Builder Funnel Radio. Don't forget to visit www.builderfunnel.com for tons of free marketing and sales resources. And if you ever need hands-on help implementing your marketing and sales system, just send a quick note to radio at builderfunnel.com. And as we close for today, remember, never stop learning. See you next time.